the collective nightmares podcast we are sociologists who talk horror each episode we choose a specific film and we do a we do an in-depth analysis where we consider the social and cultural implications of the film more so than the entertainment value or the enjoyability of the film we do also consider that but the primary focus is where does this film fit into a into a bigger picture of our culture and society. I'm Marshall Smith and I'm Marshall Smith. I'm a big fan of horror. I spend much of my life thinking about horror as a genre, as a topic, horrific things. And my draw to those topics has, I don't know exactly where it all comes from, but it's been there since I was young and it continues to fascinate me. And I, feel very lucky to have a friend and colleague and co-host who will dive into those discussions with me. Can we share that in common, Marshall? <laughs> and also also the uh, interest in horror dating back as far as what seems like a very, very, very long time as far as I can remember. I'm Laura Patterson. Marshall and I both have our PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And I think I said this recently, but I'm just going to, I'm going to dredge it right back up because it's so true in this case. I love what we do here because it is my therapy because I like to watch horror films and use them as a lens (laughs) to assess my own life and particularly whether I'm a good or bad person. And it's surprising how often horror films give us tons of fodder to dig through at least I can speak personally and say all of my like mental disorders and various insecurities and things like that. They just pop out everywhere. So uh, it's fun. I like to get to do that and then sit down and have my little therapy session with you, Marshall. I think that's great. I think that's an under-acknowledged interest in horror of for those of us who go through difficult things, difficult experiences, question ourselves and our intentions and our behavior horror is a place to do that that is a unique place to do that because i don't think we get an easy exoneration so many movies so many genres the end is is some sort of tidy wrap up of the issue but with horror you you you're digging into your own stuff and you might not get a happy message at the end <laughs> i think it's and, both horror really shows the pain so you get to dive right in there And then often, although not in every case, as we see in this film, but often horror gives answers. And sometimes those answers are good answers, as in, I would say, socially and morally responsible answers. And sometimes they're bad answers, but it gives answers. And then you get to deal with the repercussions of those answers that are being thrown at you. And that's its own can of worms. So yeah, so uh, uh, so that's that's a pre- more intro that we usually do, which is fine. Um, we appreciate you joining us. This episode, we watched The Lodge, Fiala and Franz's follow-up to, I always say this wrong, Goodnight Mommy, which I actually really enjoyed 
Laura, I think that was a film where you figured out the twist early and weren't as into it. My memory is that I wasn't that into it, but I don't remember why. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly either. So, but it, it's talked about quite a bit. It is a 2019 film and the synopsis from IMDb thankfully does not have spoilers. So we appreciate that. And it is a soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiance's two children at a remote holiday cabin. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place, a.k.a. horror ensues. (laughs) I I really enjoy that phrase, and I, I don't know exactly where I got that from or if I made that up or if that's a thing. But yeah. So yeah, we uh, we dig into the film deeply and we do it immediately. So we strongly encourage you to watch the film before you listen, preferably semi- somewhat recently or somewhat close to when you listen. Spoilers for The Lodge throughout. That's another reason to watch this film. We don't really ever spoil Goodnight Mommy, I don't think, but there's some allusions to kind of ideas about the film, depending how how raw you'd like to go into horror films. We definitely do spoil some crucial pieces of It Comes at Night, which is one of Laura's favorite. I, I would put it up there as a really exceptional film as well. And that's that's one you you really should, if you can, see it without it being spoiled. It's a film that will pay off for doing that. Uh, right. And then listen to our podcast, which is a lovely little time capsule of the beginning of COVID. So bonus reason to uh, watch It Comes at Night and listen to our, our episode on It Comes at Night back when I was terrified about someone coming and stealing my mountain of toilet paper or whatever it was. <laughs> yes, yes, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So yes, we have an episode on It Comes at Night as well. In case you haven't had enough COVID already. <laughs> you just need some more COVID talk. Right, right. We appreciate you joining us. We do this for fun. Well, we do this for fun and therapy. <laughs> we do this for lots of reasons. None of them so far are money. We would love it if we could actually make some money on this because, you know, we teach and that's not a super lucrative deal. But but right now it's it's mostly for our own reasons and we appreciate you joining us. We hope you'll recommend us to a friend or someone else, you know, who likes to think about movies, especially horror movies. All of our episodes are available for free on our website, collectivenightmares.com. Uh, they should all show up in your podcast app. And I think they're all on Spotify, but I don't remember. Our Instagram is at Collective Nightmares. You can message us there or follow us and see what our episodes are and, and if, if and when we get back to actual other things happening outside of COVID, that'll be there too. And without further ado... We're going to try to dislodge some meaning from this film. Nailed it. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. All right. You want to talk the movie first and then we can chitter chatter. You chose the film. I feel like you should, you should start. I have a lot to say about this one. There were a lot of things I liked. There were a lot of things I think I didn't like, but I need to talk to you about first before I'm even sure I didn't like them. It wasn't scary. I was disappointed about that because I purposely for Halloween wanted to pick out a scary movie and it was not scary. Granted, the bar for scary is really high for us, but it wasn't scary. And it didn't 
seemed to me to have a message in a way that was really interesting. It seemed to skirt moral argument in a way that I don't think we've seen a film do before. And so I'd like to dig into that a little bit too. Were you engaged with the film throughout the whole thing? I was. I I liked it. I thought it was different. I thought it was well done. It was well shot. It was well acted. It was pretty in many cases. And yeah, and I cared about the characters and I cared about what was happening. And I was engaged. I wasn't scared, but I was engaged. I was, though, I had a very personal stake in the message that the film seemed to be addressing at first. At least, you know, I mean, I, I felt like the opening of the film, as someone who recently separated from my husband and had a child, the message at the beginning of the film seemed to be very directed toward that process and kind of who's culpable in a separation and, you know, is it okay or is it not okay? And what does it do to the children? And so there was a lot going on in the beginning of the film that I I really cared about the topic that they brought up. And so I was very, very interested in some ways, selfishly, just to see where they were going to go with it, because I spend a lot of time kind of assessing my own morality around that sort of thing. And so I, I was looking for their referendum and I never found one, which was odd, but I, I was engaged throughout because I was waiting for it. I was waiting for their answer on who's good and who's bad and what's okay. I certainly don't want to deny or, or, or disregard your investment. That just, I, I can see what you're kind of saying with this, with this episode and that, that's fine. We'll do what we have to do with it to make it work for you to either put it out or not. It's just so odd to me that that's, I understand that those are, these are things that are on your mind and whatnot, but it's odd to me because Isaac didn't kill himself. (laughs) Isaac is very much alive. And not only uh, is he alive, your lives are still like imbricated. They're still, it's not like if he had just packed up and left, and you'd never got to hear from him again or speak to him again or whatever. So it was somewhat similar to like a death with no closure and no opportunity to discuss. I could see all that. Those are the where's I, I feel like I could see, but, and again, I, I don't want to discredit what you're saying. It's just very, that's very interesting to me because you see him twice a week and you work with him and you still live like a mile away from him. And like, <laughs> you know, I'll I'm, sorry, I'm probably a little defensive because I do have people in my life who have killed themselves and it's just not, it's just not the same. But again, like, I'm not trying to say your feelings aren't valid. I just, that's, that's odd to me. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this part more explicitly. It's, it's more like, okay. So in the film, dad left because dad, apparently for whatever reason, his needs were not getting met in this relationship. We have no information about their relationship. So we don't know. We don't know who's justified, but all that's its own road to go down because what's justified mean? If you if your needs aren't being met and you don't want to be there, are you supposed to be there for the sake of the person you made a promise to or for the sake of the children? Or do you kind of have the I don't know if right is even the right word, but is it is it just is it the right thing to do if you're not if you don't want to be there to not be there anymore, you know? And so for whatever reason, dad wanted to leave and mom did not want him to leave. And dad was trying to build this new life. And mom was resistant to that and didn't want it. And so mom goes home and kills herself as a like, okay, like I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to function outside of this relationship. And I'm not saying Isaac's going to kill himself, but more so just if he blows up over there 
in that house and can't function, can't keep a job and his dad has to move in with him and whatever. I think there was, there was certainly messaging. Okay. Then they end up at the funeral and the kids are, the kids are mad at the new woman, you know, dad, no, you can't move on. Like she's evil. You're evil. Like what did she do to mom? She did this to mom. And I kept having this very visceral reaction of like, fuck mom, mom has mom's responsible for her own life. And if mom wants to go shoot herself, that's kind of her own choice, but dad didn't do it. Dad wasn't getting what he needed and wanted to like adjust his life in a way that was healthy for him. And everybody's going to beat up dad because mom couldn't cope and couldn't handle it. And like, that's more of the parallel, like, and getting judgment from the kids, which felt, first of all, totally natural and normal. Like, of course you would. And certainly when mom goes and kills herself and then martyrs herself, of course, that's what the kids are going to do. They're going to blame dad or they're going to blame dad's new whatever. It seems like a, from a child perspective, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing to do, but I just felt so bad for dad because I thought, you know, and, and then I go and fill in the backstory of like, what if mom was really troubled to be with more like the situation I was in and dad just couldn't handle it. And dad finally moves out and then mom like falls off the deep end. And it's like, dad, why'd you do that to her? <laughs> like, well, doesn't dad get to live a life? Like, doesn't, you know, and dad's being pretty nice about like, oh, I have this new person and let's, let's meet and let's try to whatever. And, you know, so the whole beginning of the film was set up around grace potentially it was set up around grace being evil from the kid's perspective. And I was really threatened, like morally threatened by that argument of the film, because it felt like, Oh, this is going to be the argument. Dad's an asshole because dad was trying to, I'm just going to say, get his needs met somehow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because mom couldn't do it. So it's dad's fault. And it's dad's fault for not just sucking it up and staying and doing whatever mom needed and whatever the kids as kids thought they wanted, but that might not be what they're, you know, they're going to grow up and have their own lives. And so is it really the right thing for him to do to stay there and hold that together? And you can see all of the like parallels floating around here, I assume in this rant. And so I was really interested in the fact that at first I felt like we were the children. And so we were looking at this perspective and we were demonizing grace and when they were sitting there, like doing their little computer search on her and whatever. And it was just like, I didn't want to be the children in that. I didn't want that to be how morality was laid out. That it was like, dad did a terrible thing. Grace is a monster. And, you know, mom is this wonderful saint who should have been protected and taken care of. And that was hurtful to me. So what that makes me think of is, is my emotional experience watching Swallow, where I was clear that my viewing experience was I was bringing a lot of my personal history and, and issues into the viewing experience. Do you feel like you're doing that? Or do you feel like you're separating the film from what you're bringing to it? Or No, I feel like it was very personal. I feel like I was bringing a pile of baggage to the viewing of this film. I okay. do think that the yep. film honestly was set up around that theme. It's interesting that it never laid down a referendum. So I, I would like to dig into that with you. But I mean, I do think that was, that is the theme of the first chunk of the film, at least. It was, it was really set up around this dynamic of is Grace bad? And we're, we're the kids and Grace is evil because Grace destroyed this wonderful family from a kid's perspective and from mom's perspective. Let's just forget what dad wants because he apparently doesn't count. But so either that or were we actually situated in Grace's shoes? And if we were Grace, then the kids were overreacting in probably a very understandable but childish way. And hopefully they would sort of make some emotional inroads with each other and, 
And that was, I don't know if I'd go so far as, well, I guess by the end of the film, I would go so far as to say the evil that was happening. It wasn't that Grace was bringing the evil, it's that the evil was being enacted on Grace. And that was, I, I thought, a very interesting question. And I do think that question existed. But yes, I'll say I had a very strong emotional stake in that question. And so I very much wanted them to lay down a referendum that was going to fit with my view of the world because I'm insecure and because I, I there's a lot of pain in my life around those questions. And so to me, if somebody will come back and tell me you're okay and what you think is right, <laughs> that feels much better. And so, yeah, I had a, I had, I was sitting with my piles of luggage like around me while watching the film, but I do also think that's what it was actually about. I agree with some of that. I I agree with some of that. I agree with particularly that I don't know if the film had a referendum and I don't know if I, what, what were your two options that either were, were on the side of the kids or were on the side of grace? I, yeah. I mean, I thought once the film kind of got rolling, right. Either we were with the children and grace was the evil intruder and grace was crazy. And grace was what was causing trouble. And we didn't know at the time. I mean, we found out later what the children were doing, but so Grace is crazy. Grace is sleepwalking at night. Grace is a danger. Grace has a gun. She's the threat. Or we were Grace. And in some of the scenes, I did feel like we were Grace. You know, when, uh, what was her name? Mia? Was that the girl? When Grace was talking to Mia about her dog and then Mia said, do you want to see, you know, dad's Christmas present? And that whole scene, I felt like we were Grace in that scene because it was mm-hmm. painful and it was painful Mm-hmm. I thought it was painful to us situated as Grace. It wasn't that we were the children thinking, ha, we got you. It was very much uncomfortable. And Grace responded fairly well, I guess. You know, she she left, she composed herself, she came back later and offered them dinner. Like, so I felt like in those scenes, we really were Grace. And so to me, it was a it was a struggle between those two. Like, were the kids going to come around and realize that Grace could be okay and that their perspective on this whole situation was skewed? that they were laying the blame for what their mother did and their mother's kind of approach to how she dealt with her life. They were laying that blame on dad and on grace, which was not really a fair place or an adult, I guess, place to place it. Or was the referendum going to be laid down on grace and the kids would enact some kind of vengeance and grace was going to be crazy or evil, which would imply that dad made a terrible decision and grace was actually a monster and the kids were in danger and they knew it all along. If only dad had kept the family together, you know, and so it was going to be one of those two. And I kept, they kept flipping us. I thought my experience of the film was that they kept flipping us back and forth. But Mm -hmm. what was interesting is that then at the end, they never gave us an answer. Mm -hmm. I think when dad showed up, that was going to be our answer. I I felt in those moments, dad was actually, I don't know if I want to say the sane one. He was at least the third party because you had the kids and you had Grace. And dad was coming in. Dad realized what was happening. He took action fairly quickly. He seemed to be acting reasonably. He gets there. And I thought dad was going to, you know, it's like whoever dad sides with or whatever sort of authority he lays down was going to be the message. And he gets shot before he can even do it. And so, no, there was no answer. Okay. I agree with a lot of that. I guess, what was I hesitating about before? I guess I was hesitating early on because, um, like you said, intentionally, so far as I can tell, intentionally, we did not have enough knowledge to evaluate mom at all. We don't know. She seemed fine. She got the kids together and whatever had her house was fine. I don't know what would have been not fine, but you know, and, uh, and dad seemed fine. Uh, I mean, they had, 
they had already been separated, I guess, or we not, I guess they'd already been separated. They're living separately. And dad says, you, you know, I want to finalize the divorce and he's going to marry grace. And that didn't seem, it wasn't set up as, I mean, he could have said, you know, I've met someone else. We need to, it seemed sort of, they'd separated. He'd met someone else sort of like a, a, quote unquote, acceptable progression of a dissolution of a relationship. At least we didn't know enough to know that it wasn't. Cause like you said, we, right. I feel like that was a theme throughout the film. We didn't get information. We didn't get enough information to really make a call, but everything we saw seemed okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. With the exception of, I think, okay, let me step back a little bit. So I, we, we are recording this, on November 1st, Sunday, 2020. I liked their first film a lot. I've been interested to see this. I was happy that Laura chose it. I am as anxious about what is going to happen in politics as I'm sure, maybe not anyone, but a lot of people. I really found it hard to engage in the film. And I, so I spent a fair amount of time, particularly in the first half of the film, wondering is this because I am so, I have so much anxiety and stress that I, I can't sit and focus. It wouldn't matter what it is, which I think is a good portion of it. And also I was thinking about what is the line between atmospheric and just boring. <laughs> uh, and when the gas heater, obviously the opening scene is, opening scenes are attention grabbing but then there was a real lull right about until the the gas heater they bring into the house and so so just i just wanted to say that while i enjoyed the film this is again when i i wish we could be i wish we could go back to theaters i need that structure i need that context and environment especially with a a film like this that is a a glacial film i think intentionally to to force me to to really focus on what is going on. But I still, like you said, it was well shot, well acted. Riley Kyo, Ki Kyo, I don't know. What is it? K-E-O-U-G-H. I don't know how you say it. Um, I think it's Kyo is phenomenal. She was the couch, the apartment victim in House that Jack built. And she's she was in something else that we've watched. She's phenomenal. It comes at night. That's yeah, what I recommend. Comes at night. She was him. Yeah. She uh, so she's like unbelievable, and so I don't think I think it was more me and the time and the context that of the film. But so for me, like you said, the, the questions then are who whose reality? It's a reality twist film, which I generally appreciate. That's that's totally my jam, and it's a question of religion film, which is also typically uh, an issue I I tend to like a lot. You know, I'm not a parent. The parent thing doesn't do as much for me, but that's that's fine. Whatever. It, it wasn't actually. So that's it's just interesting to me because for me, that was not really what it was about. And so the question for me was, like you said, is there a referendum on on anyone and who is it on? And so some of the things that struck me as as the what should have been crucial 
scenarios that I don't really understand why they're in there. I don't understand why she was the survivor of a cult and the only survivor. I, I mean, I understand that that, I guess, is meant to show us that she is potentially disturbed, but that's a pretty extreme... <laughs> that's a pretty extreme character backstory for that sort of thing. I guess, put it another way, uh, she could have just... I put it another way, I think she could have just not been taking her pills and we probably still would have had as sort of as much question about her. I so, mean, certainly not the malice behind it, but she could have just had seasonal depression or what, I, I don't know, whatever. Go ahead, you were gonna... So I feel like that was an important piece because the kids, how, I'll say it this way, it situates her as either victim or danger. Totally. And the kids see her as danger and dad sees her as, I, I don't know if dad sees her as a victim that's maybe overstating it, but you know, she's either, she's good or bad. And I found it really interesting that throughout the whole film, they keep doing this whole repent thing as though she had done something bad, but we, again, we don't know if she ever did anything bad or not. We just know the kids don't like her, but that's not, that's explainable for other reasons that have nothing to do with what she did. So who knows? But at, at the very end of the film, when she's with the kids, and they show the gun, you see two bullets in the gun, but you can't tell if there are more than two. <sighs> and so again, it's like, is she going to be the survivor? It's all lack of referendum through the entire film, right? So it's, I'm just going to parallel the ending to what you just said there, because we don't know if it ended with her killing just the children and being the sole survivor again, or and that gives her some sort of malice for being the survivor, or if she killed herself too. Oh, that's such a great detail, Laura, that I... I'd noticed that, but I didn't put it all together. I think I just assumed there was a third in the, you know, in the chamber, but there is that there's no reason to assume that the evidence that we have are is two bullets. You're absolutely right. On that note, let me ask you another potentially fine detail is was dad somehow connected to the cult? Why was that on his computer? Was he, did he research it or he was the news person? There was some sort of piece there, right? He wrote a book about it, I think. And so I don't know what, if his exact role was stated, but the kids saw that as, you know, he was writing a book about some crazy people and he decided to run off with one of the crazy people from the cult. Okay. Do you mind if we, I just want to look at that moment again. Grace is from his book on cults. Okay, I thought that was the case. And that is, I mean, that's a problem, right? <laughs> the fact that there's, there's no referendum on anything ever in the entire film. <laughs> yes, I found that to be a problem. Especially, like I said, because I was sitting there with my mountains of suitcases around <laughs> me waiting, waiting for the answer <laughs> on whether my view of the world is okay or not. And they gave me nothing, but they gave me nothing not only on that. I mean, I do think that was... In my viewing, that was one of the core questions of the film. They gave us nothing, but they gave us nothing on, on any of it. None of the characters were good or bad. Well, <laughs> I appreciate your patience with me. I, when I'm editing some of these episodes, I have these very long pauses. <laughs> Obnoxiously long, which I don't realize they're so long because I'm totally in my head when it's happened, but I do appreciate the patience. Okay, so I, I'm sorry. I got to go back to basics. So dad, reasonable, probably, we don't know at least. 
so ambiguous or agnostic as it were separation move on with his life mom reacts to that kills herself which makes the kids basically victims grace is grace is an either or she's either she's either guilty in some regard for this mass killing mass death or she was a real ultimate victim. So she is the extreme of either malice or victim, good or bad, good or evil, I guess is what we're saying. And kids, the kids then become evil, at least for a while. Grace, we don't know, really. But I mean, I got to say that the kids for at least some time, they're evil. The fact that they were well one just the fact they took her medication and all the other shit whatever but the fact they took her medication and set this all up is fucked up whatever again i'm not a parent i don't have any idea what's going on with kids but they were there's a difference between i don't necessarily want to welcome this new person in as a parent or a guardian or mother figure or whatever my mom killed herself I've got problems and we're going to steal her medication and like gaslight her into, (laughs) into believing that she's in a, who knows what kind of state, particularly when they have some idea that she survived some sort of horrific experience, whether or not she was the evil or the good in that. I don't know that it matters too much. And so, so for me, and also, you know, without giving away a spoilers, given their first film, I really felt like the kids were really the question was, are the kids evil or not that they not are the kids appropriately evil in response to Gra- Grace or is Grace just being re-victimized here? And OK, and then, like you said, I, you're right. What you, what I am struggling with is the fact that there is no ultimate referendum because I guess what are the options? The options are Grace was as culpable as she could have been or whatever with regard to the cult. She either ignored the signs or she was complicit in it or whatever enabled it or whatever. All these people died. She survived. She survived. She meets cult researcher dad uh, they hook up at some point. She steps in and tries to be at least fairly reasonable with the kids. The kids fuck with her medication and her reality, and she ends up snapping or she ends up detached from reality and ends up killing dad and then either kills the kids and herself or just kills the kids. I hate to say this, but either way, I don't know if the kids had it coming, but they sure aren't innocent in that. And so, or Grace is innocent. She was totally victimized by the cult. She's 12. So I have to say, even if she's complicit in that, well, that's an interesting point. If she's complicit in that, or so if, oh, say, so the other option would be Grace is innocent. She meets this guy who's writing the book on cults, which I guess on both of these scenarios, we're just going to ignore the potential power differential there. They get together together. She's trying to be decent to the kids. They fuck with her reality. She's been re-victimized and as a result ends up killing dad and the kids and either herself or not. So I feel like the 
at best, she is guilty of however complicit a 12-year-old can be. And if we think, if we consider that Aiden is approximately that same age, there's got to be something there of if we think she is guilty, then Aiden is also guilty. Like if she is guilty in the cult, he is guilty too. And if she deserves whatever they did to her, he deserves what happens to him. That's how it is. If she's innocent, then he should also be innocent in terms of, okay, you are, are, are in a bad situation. You took her pills and you, you know, you totally gaslight her reality and she snaps. And we're going to, if we're going to forgive her, we've got to forgive Aiden for being close enough to the same age for it to be within the realm of the film, a parallel. And if that's the case, is it, if Aiden is innocent and Grace kills the two kids, I still don't know if that implicates her because she still suffered at the hands of both because that means she was innocent at the cult too. So it's really the, the victimization of her as a young person that was re-triggered and re-traumatized. But if he's innocent, then she was innocent and she's just a victim of all of this. And so even if she does kill the kids at the end, it's, I don't know what the conclusion of that sentence is, but it's, it's an understandable reaction. I totally agree with you. And that was exactly the, the read I was having on it throughout the film, that they both have reasons that they can't necessarily be held accountable. And Grace, right, she was a child when this happened. She has this previous trauma and now she's mentally ill. So for all these reasons, whatever she's doing, even if it's bad or wrong, somehow she can't really be held accountable for having made these choices because she's, she's walking around the house sometimes and she's not even there. She doesn't even know what's happening. And the kids were kids. They went through something very traumatic. And so they too can't necessarily be held accountable for what's happening. And so it was, that was another piece where they chose not to lay down a referendum, right? We, we had this, or I guess I'll, I'll throw one other piece out there too. There were too many things from the kid's perspective implicating grace to make that not have been a crucial question in the film. And I don't just mean whether what Grace did at the cult, but particularly like Grace destroyed the family. The family was wonderful beforehand. And this whole thing about dad leaving and being with Grace is just a horrible, awful mistake and that should never have happened and it's evil. There were too many direct pieces of evidence that the kids raised up about that. Um, For example, the video, right? And in the video, everybody looks happy and mom looks right at the camera and says to dad, we did good. There's no hint in that evidence that we're given that anything could have been wrong in the family or that things weren't perfect. And that, that from their perspective, Grace was this evil outsider who came in and somehow destroyed something that was perfect. And so it's, it's very odd that they would present that. That argument was there from the kid's perspective. It definitely was there. I mean, all of the arguments around not wanting to meet Grace and carrying mom's doll and how sad that was, you know, like in the scenes where we had to watch the kids cry over mom in the bedroom at night, you know? So like the, the, the tragedy of that happening was very central to the film. And the kids pose this argument that Grace is the cause and she's awful. And, and that argument honestly came up even before mom killed herself because Mia said before they went to dad's house, like, is she going to be there? Mm-hmm. I don't want her to be there. So that was like the core driving question 
I think it was at the beginning of the film. And I think that's not only just from my own read. I think that really was the, the driving question at the start of the film. And then, okay, we're all going to go off on this vacation together. And are they going to get along or are they not going to get along? So it's like, the question is, is, is Grace good or bad? Who's right? And then nobody can be held accountable for their actions. We don't really know what's happening for a good chunk of the film. And there's never anyone who was not previously traumatized and isn't currently either a child or crazy, whoever makes a call. Dad has a chance, he shows up for a second and then poof, he's gone. And he's gone before he can say anything really. So there's, there's, it's not even possible to make a call. No, I, I do at least want to point out that I think dad is guilty, is notably guilty in his absence. Okay, I understand you gotta work. Maybe the best thing to do when all of this is happening is not to drive your kids and your new w- wife who was left to die with 39 other people when she was 12 years old in a cabin in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yes. Okay. Except in their whole thing around that dad says, you know what? This is a bad idea. I'm not going to go. I shouldn't go. I need to be here with you. And Grace says, no, I got it. This was my idea. I want this time. And Grace tells him to go. So, yeah, but they're still his fucking kids. I mean, that's all well and good, but he still needs to make decisions for himself. He still can say, I just, I just, I don't want to let him off the hook. I also don't want to let him off the hook because I, I think the other piece that gets glossed over was it still strikes me as, and I'm not one to judge in this regard, but if he's old enough to be writing a book about their cult and she's 12 years old when this happens, I don't know if he should be hitting on the one survivor. I mean, I don't know, maybe she hit on him, but either way, I don't really care about mom or if he was married still or separated or, but I do see, I do think there's an, that for me would be the more interesting question of then even compared to like, were they separated? Were they married? Was the marriage happy? Yada, yada, yada. It was. But she's 30 now. She's 30 now. She's 30 because she was born in 1989. She said. And how do I know? noticed that because I was born in 1979 and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm 10 years older than her. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know she's 30. Do we know how old he is? Well, and we don't know. I mean, we don't, this is another place. We don't know. We're just making right. this up. This whole line of questioning has nothing to do with the film because we don't know. They could have met six months ago when she was 30 and, you know, 18 years out of the cult situation and he's 10 years older than her. Who cares? We have zero information to tell us how they met. Except we do know that he wrote a book about her cult or about cults that included hers, which I, you know, again, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That all could have been fine. It could have, could have not been fine. Um, But yes, it could have. Right. It's 18 years later, whatever. Yeah. Um, It's just another place where we don't know. Like we don't know. We don't know anything in the entire film. Every single question that it raises, we don't know. And they never give us an answer and they don't even let us have an answer because the only people they leave at the end of the film, like the, anyone who's sane and and by sane, I mean, just like competent to interpret reality and and give us some kind of something they kill. Maybe. And I just mean the dad, I suppose when I say that, but we have no characters who can be held accountable or trusted 
with right. children we, and someone who's off their medication. Right. We have no reliable narrators. So then the next question would be for me is, does that tell us something? Is there a message in the lack of reliable information for us? That could be, I feel like, don't we have that same situation with It Comes at Night? Because don't we, isn't It Comes at Night, we also don't ever have the crucial information because we don't know who opens the red door or who unlocks it or whoever does whatever it is. And it comes at night. Okay. It comes at night that's used to an effect because if I remember, and help me, help me if this doesn't work for you, but it's important that we don't know because who deals with the red door because that actually makes the suspicion and the power dynamic, or at least the culpability dynamic between the two families equal because there's not an obvious you did something wrong versus you did something wrong. But that's important within that film because they have to act based on there's something wrong here. Yeah. And let me just interject for oh, yeah, please, a second please, there and say, please. yes, because it was, it comes at night was about the breakdown of the social contract and it was about trust and when you can and can't have trust. And so we didn't, because the people in the film couldn't really know what other people's motivations were and whether they were safe or not, it made sense for us not to know in terms of like the effect of the film. But here, this did not tackle a question that falls into that category where the experience of not knowing, at least I didn't think it did. Maybe you can, we can pull together something where it did. But to me, this was so frustrating because it didn't raise questions where the experience of not knowing was useful. It raised questions that I wanted it to have an actual referendum on. And and I will say again, as, as someone who was has felt very subject to the norms and societal pressure around marriage and around separation and around what that means and what that means in the context of children and what is okay to do and what's not okay to do. Those are very meaningful and societally weighty questions. And the arguments that were brought up, like the arguments of the, the children, and I would say also the argument of the father and what he was saying about grace. And those are real struggles that people have. And those are real questions. And so for that, for the answers to all of those pieces to be like, let's tell you nothing and give you nothing and have no possible answer come out of this. That didn't, that didn't work for me. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just, it seems, it seems like that's what we need to know. We need to know if there is some, before rendering a overall verdict on the film, we need to know if there could be some explanation where the not knowing was useful or important because that can be done. I just want to acknowledge theoretically or not even theoretically, but there are cases where not knowing can be used intentionally to solid effect. I don't have a good idea of why or how that would be important or, or useful here, but I just, it was worth ask. It's worth asking, you know? Oh, it is. Yeah. No, I, I think you're totally right. I think it's a super important question. I didn't mean to downplay your question there. I was yeah. just giving my gut reaction to it, which is like, <laughs> no. And it was so frustrating for me <laughs> that that was not useful, but let's think through it for sure. Because if there is a way that if there was some other question or other experience it was meant to convey, I would like to know what that was. Right. And so the, so here's my other thought. Does our dollhouse tell us anything about what is happening here because the doll is clearly mom what is happening here 
Yeah. What, what happened in the beginning in the dollhouse? Because that would be a really important thing to know. They showed this a few times. This is... That's everyone dead in the lodge, right? Yes, or at least asleep. And then the next... And then mom doesn't fly to heaven because she's heavier than the balloon. <laughs> I don't know why that wasn't funny, but... So. And then here they're playing around the little miniature of the statue or of the, not statue, the painting that's in the lodge. So now they're praying around the painting and then they're having Thanksgiving and we don't know who, we have to assume we're looking from Grace's perspective, I guess, except we're, we're in that same position six months later. Suicide cult. Uh, Did the doll have blonde hair at the beginning and dark hair later? The doll that was supposed to be mom? Or am I imagining that? Uh, we have this scene again, which, yeah, is them. Um, we've even got little monkeys, sea monkeys here. That's interesting. I didn't notice that before. The doll. There's the doll. Doll's blonde hair, looks like. Didn't the doll have dark hair later? Later? To have the foresight to have these kids to have printed up uh, an obituary column to like be manipulating, like what the kids are doing is fucked up. Like that's not just, hey, on a whim, wouldn't it be wild? We're young. We don't really understand what's going on. We'll, we'll take and hide our pills and a bunch of stuff in the basement. This is premeditated before they ever went to the, to the, to the lodge they knew that they were gonna they were gonna try and do all this to the point where they hit plan this all out like that's twisted that's straight up twisted um i agree with you and i wonder if it's a little bit my own guilt complex that was just wanting to give the kids the benefit of the doubt the entire time i mean it, did you as a viewer of the film feel at some point like you switched and you were you were grace and the kids were the danger but then, gosh, as soon as that happens, the scene that you have on the screen right now shows up and Grace becomes a danger, like immediately. Like as soon as the kids are called out as the threat, Grace then becomes a sincere threat that they caused. Yeah, well, you know, karma's a bitch, huh? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to see the, the doll here. But did you ever, like, did you ever feel like you were situated in Grace and you... And like you as the film blame the children and they were the villains. Uh, yeah, I felt the the kids were the villains as soon as we uh, as soon as we saw the basement. As soon as we knew that they had they had manipulated all this, or at least for me. I mean, was it odd then? Isn't it like two minutes later when suddenly they're hiding in the corner under threat from Grace, and Grace and Grace is burning her knees and doing a bunch of stuff that makes her seem scary. So I, I feel like in those scenes, we're back in the, we're back seated with the children and they, I, the children also decide to stop and they I think say, well, let's find her pills. I think that, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, for, for me as someone, I don't remember, I don't, there's two dolls here. One is blonde and one is dark hair. I don't know who's mom and who's not. This is hour two into the film. I was going to say, once you hide someone's medication, and then on top of that, once you pretend to have hung yourself, you know what? Fuck you. 
I don't care if you're 12 <laughs> or not. If you're 12, you, you've got real problems. And I, again, I'm not, not a parent. I understand there needs to be some allowance for kids. But at some point, you've got to be fucking kidding me. If someone did that to me, if a kid did that to me, I'd be like, okay, we're going to a psychiatrist now. And you are going to be on some serious watch lockdown for a while. I would be tempted to really, and even within the context of the film, but they, not only that, they let her wander out into winter blizzard to try and get help for them without clothing, without protection. She doesn't know where she's going. She's, she thinks she's so desperate as to the, the kids and folks are going to starve. I'm sorry, but the kids are the kids are the the villains through this. Yes, Grace was presented as kind of questionable, but I, I also have to say I think that she was largely validated when she pulls the she dives into the freezing water to or goes after the the doll in the freezing water. I think you're right that we start out where the kids are where she is definitely presented as questionable. We don't see her. She's kind of shrouded in mystery. That's very much her from the kid's perspective. She seems ominous, but we don't really have any reason to think she's problematic except for she had this extraordinarily, this extreme experience in the cult, but she doesn't really do anything wrong. Uh, She saves the doll. She's kind of trying and it is after, at this point, we don't know the kids. Uh, apparently the kids killed the dog too, right? Because Mia comes out and is like, oh yeah, I left the door open or whatever. Uh, at that point, I this whole thing is, I'm sorry. But at that point, I'm just going to say that I'm not saying the kids deserve to die, but they have no more innocence, I would argue. They have no more innocence. So I appreciate that you're giving me the referendum <laughs> that I think I wanted to get from the film. But do you do you feel like the film gave that perspective? I appreciate even hearing it out of your mouth. But but do you think that the film felt that way? I struggled with figuring out how the film felt. I feel like the film took every opportunity it could not to feel I, one way or the other. I still agree with you. This is what I was looking for. So this, yeah, okay. So, okay, so this is starting to pull together. So what this means to me is that dad at some point comes up and looks and sees this and is like, what the fuck? This is what compels him to go back to the house. Right, the yeah, exactly. kids. Okay, well, I didn't get that the first time around. And I feel like, the, so for those of you watching or those of you listening, this is at 129.25 into the film and it's the father looking into the dollhouse where the, the kids have apparently mocked up their plan and Aiden's the doll Aiden is hanging from the ceiling. And there's this scene at the bottom house where they're all asleep. So in hindsight, actually what this is telling me is that this was all premeditated by the kids, which I didn't fully realize. And you're right. I think the atmosphere of the film really, really implicates grace Without us, and I guess as a uh, misdirect from really the extent of what the kids are doing, 
And it really is. And it's only in the, in the analysis or in the conversation now with you, Laura, that I'm realizing that these are all cues to tell us the kids had planned this all out. They were executing a plan. And now what does that mean? I guess that throws the, that throws the question back to that. That actually makes it more important, I think, and worse that we don't know more about the start of the relationship between dad and grace or the marriage between mom and dad and how that played out because, because we have to, with the, I'm starting to feel like the film is much more, this is grace being re-victimized, especially given that she was 12 and the whole cult thing happened. And then the question is, is dad at fault for connecting with is dad at fault or his mom is mom at fault because she killed herself or is dad at fault because he moved on too quickly or he whatever but either way it's at this point i want to say that look it's just not grace's fault we don't have any reason to believe it's Grace's fault what we do have reason to believe is she was she was uh exploited and a manipulated into a into a basically a break from reality by these fucking kids so i want to say then okay so if it if it wasn't grace's fault do you think the evidence that we were given of grace being a threat throughout the whole beginning of the film was just what you said a misdirect because it's interesting if it was a misdirect because it also it really does tie to a really important question that the film raises. I think it does. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm misreading that emphasis on was mom a martyr and dad was evil or was dad the reasonable one and mom, you know, caused this trouble by, by sort of turning the kids against him, I guess you could say, because there was a lot of evidence to show that things were fine before, that Grace was potentially bad or Grace was scary. You have the kids sitting around the computer screen looking at Grace's past. So is it like the reveal later is like, oh, no, the kids were actually the villains. Like, Grace, there was nothing wrong with Grace. If so, I don't feel like that emotional point was made very well because I didn't really feel it. And like, even as soon as I felt it, as soon as the kids are down in the basement, okay, looking for her medicine... It was tricky because first, okay, you realize they had done something wrong, but then also as soon as you realize it, they change their mind. And Mia goes outside and tries to put a coat on Grace and says, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to kill your dog. And then they go, they look for the pills. They like, they're trying to fix it and they're kids. And so they're sort of trying to make it better. And then Grace becomes a real threat. Granted, they caused it, but then Grace is like completely off the deep end and actually putting them in danger. And by the end, it's a scary scene with Grace as the villain. Now, granted, again, the kids caused it, but it's like the point was supposed to be the kids were the villains all along. I didn't feel that. No, and I'm looking back to the beginning of the film because I wish that I wish they had done something at the beginning of the film to tell us that it was the kids all along. That would really do something for me. That would really do something for me. Can I take a quick aside and just say that Note to Ari Aster and everyone who loved Hereditary, this is how you do something with a dollhouse in a film. Not saying it was perfect, but you didn't set it all up and just waste it as background whatever. And the the death here in this film 
is for me was at least as shocking as the death in hereditary. Oh, it was, it was, it struck me so much as hereditary that I almost couldn't appreciate it on its own because we had just seen it in hereditary. (laughs) It was great. That was like the, that hooked me right at the beginning of the film because I, I love a no nonsense. Especially (laughs) a, a highly billed actor. You know, I expected her to carry throughout the film or at least to be a ghost later. Like she wasn't going to just go away. And that was, that was great. That was great. Totally. Yeah, totally. But yes, I would really like something in the opening of the film to where we could go back and be like, and decide that the kids are evil. Again, particularly given their first film, we can't really use that information here, but I kind of wish we could. Because I'm glad it, you're pulling this up because I wanted to go back and see what was in the dollhouse at the beginning. And we absolutely need to get to religion. Yeah. At least I see briefly only because I don't know what they were saying about that, if anything, either. I think nothing because they gave us no information because nothing was ever good or bad because we didn't know enough to know if it was. I, I agree with you. The kids, what the kids did was bad, but they were kids and they've been traumatized. And, and so there's some level of a lack of culpability there. Okay, so here, this is a crucial bit. This is one minute 50 into the film. I've actually watched this. I don't know if you've been paying attention. I'm going to look at this a few times. What is interesting to me about this that I just realized is this is Grace, which I didn't realize the first time. And we know it's Grace because she looks into the house and then finds the doll that is clearly her outside the lodge. So this is her. So the woman that's in the lodge must be Grace. So this is when mom starts to realize, or, or this at least tells us that mom has now been excluded. But that's, that's odd to me too, because that means that the kids have included Grace into the home, into the lodge at least. Does that mean that they were setting this all up and premeditating this from this point? But they don't know they're going to the lodge yet. Maybe it was just the visual of mom peeking in through the window. Well, and mom being excluded. Bigger than life, you could say. <laughs> Right. And mom being excluded. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is crucial here. She, she is on the outside looking in at this point. She is not part of the family. Except the specter of mom kind of looms over this whole, I mean, visually when you're looking at it. Looms oh, for over sure. This oh, for sure. But yeah, then she's, oh, I don't really want to. It's 223, the, it's not the room in the overlook or this uh, where they live or the, haunted room in the shining i don't remember i would have said for something anyway whatever i'm gonna say it again ari aster this is how you use a dollhouse in a film and you may have done it before this film but this this film did it better but you're right i uh okay and then we're already to here this is before the funeral so the reason I asked if the doll was had brown hair later on is because the doll, Mia has the doll out on the ice and the doll falls into the water and that's Grace comes out to save the doll and then Grace falls in. And that made me wonder if, if that doll was supposed to be Grace because I thought it had dark hair and Grace had dark hair. And I thought Mia was prompting this whole like trying to hurt Grace thing. Totally, dark hair. But was then that-, that blue dress looks like mom. Totally. So I think that's mom with a Thanksgiving dinner at the table. What you were showing was just Mia sitting at the table, the Thanksgiving table with the mom doll with a little tiny little bowl of food next to her. Right. I don't know if that's darker hair or not. Yeah, it might be the mom doll. Um, The whole time. 
I do have to say oh, there, because they had mom's hat on and that was yeah. confusing. I have to say that I was a little bit disappointed in the film in the home video footage where they're doing the snow angels that mom did not have that hat on. <laughs> so that the prevailing theme throughout this whole film, right. Is that mom again is like looming over this, the kids blame grace. They've got the mom doll with them. They hate her because of what grace did. And so like the whole question, I mean, the question it's raising, I'm not saying this is a hugely profound question or it is an incredibly hugely profound question, says me again with my pile of luggage sitting next to me while I'm watching the film, that there's no referendum on that question. I mean, that's obviously the question of the film, right? Like yeah. it's, are the kids bad or is Grace bad? And the film should lay down, it should be one of them, or I guess the message could be well both or something, but I don't even think it was that it, it ended up being, yes, the kids are, but as soon as you start to feel that immediately, they change their mind. They try to do something better. They are only kids and now they're getting like tortured to death, which isn't necessarily what they deserve as retribution, but by someone again, who you can't hold accountable because she's totally crazy. And they also made her crazy. There's just no, yeah, there's nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I'm more inclined to think it was the kids are bad. The question is, are they sort of deservedly, the kids are evil. Are they sort of understandably evil or not? And I guess that's it. And we don't have enough information to decide whether or not they're, they're at least, whether or not we can explain their being evil from, from whatever happened with, with divorce and, and all of this, we definitely don't have enough justification for them to be evil to grace. They, maybe they could have been evil to dad. If dad had hooked up with Grace before they'd actually divorced or or that broke up the marriage, that's still on dad. That's not on Grace. Well, you Grace as an is, adult would say that, but they as children might not. You're so much more willing to offer <laughs> latitude and benevolence to, to children than I am. <laughs> or or the children in this film than I am. Because I'm, I'm willing to offer latitude and uh, understanding to, to 12-year-old Grace. I mean, we don't know that she did anything wrong, but I'm sort of like, what's the worst that she could possibly have done at, at 12 years old? I mean, I guess if evil, if dad is evil, he gets killed, but we don't, he, he's, yeah, I think this is a really an almost. So how about this? We haven't done this in a while. What if we do a, uh, how would we improve the film? We, we would need to know the circumstances of the marriage dissolution and or the circumstances whereby Grace and dad got together, right? It, would that just solve the film? Whatever those were, it would at least give us information to decide. I think, I think it would have been a really good societal contribution. And again, I'm speaking this from my own perspective to have a film that at first lays out the kind of standard, very weighty, expectation that someone who is not getting their needs met in a marriage might feel, which is that you need to set yourself aside. You need to be, you know, you need to be responsible for other people's feelings. You need to put that above you and what you want essentially shouldn't matter. And they, they began the film with that perspective. Dad was wrong. And he shouldn't move on. And whatever happens to mom, that's his fault. It's not sort of on her to build her life the way she wants to build it. And then to have flipped it, 
to have flipped that and said, actually, no. It's hard because you have to demonize children. I think it's hard to have children be the villain, especially children that have been traumatized. Like that almost makes them unable to hold that role because they can't be held culpable so much. But Well, that to me is interesting because it is hard and it's it's unusual. But so, yeah, if they had flipped it such that the the emotional tenor, like the film laid down a referendum at the end and said, no, their reaction was problematic and... Grace and dad were okay. And mom was not held up as a martyr throughout the entire film as though she didn't hold any responsibility for the direction her life went because the way it's laid out, it's like, it's Grace's fault because it's easier to blame Grace, right? The world would rather blame Grace. The kids would rather blame Grace Wait, than blame whoa, dad. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you were saying that the film blames Grace for mom killing herself? At the beginning, yes. I mean, the children do. And I think we're in the children's shoes at the beginning of the film. I, okay, see, I didn't get that at all. I question whether or not that's you. No, no, because what's his name? Aiden says it when they're at Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And dad says, you know, I want you to meet Grace or she's going to come to the lodge or whatever he says. And Aiden says, this is all her fault. And then dad says, what is? And Aiden looks at him like, are you stupid? (laughs) Mom killed herself. Clearly that's her fault. Uh, yes, you're right. But uh, I, that's, it's just funny. Cause I never took that. I was like, yeah, of course the kids blame her. That, is, that has nothing to do with the reality of the situation. Fact of the matter is, yeah, she's an adult and she took her own life. That's nothing. To, I mean, that has things to do with the people in her life, but, but that particular, but nobody, she didn't go kill her. But if Grace had showed up at mom's house and was like, I want you out of the picture and shot her. Okay. That would have been an interesting difference in the film, but there's no, but of course, again, the course the kids are going to blame her, but that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not she's actually. (laughs) Again, spoken from a very different perspective than the one I I'm sitting in. I felt like that's a hugely important question. Are the kids right to blame her? You know? Oh yeah, so that's funny because I just disregarded that out of hand as of course they did. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Um, But even though even still there, that and I guess part of the I'll just offer this as as more, I guess this is me reading some into it too. But if that were true, dad should also be guilty. Should be, sure. Yeah. But people do that all the time. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, I I guess I don't understand why the kids have legitimacy here. (laughs) But I will say that I have had this exact same argument with when I would try to blame me leaving on, and I would say, it's not his fault. It's me. I'm the one who's here. I'm the one who's making a choice. I'm the one who's wanting this. And you can't tell me you love me and it's his fault because you get that I'm like the one who caused this and I'm the one who's like making that choice. And so you don't, you can't say like, you can't, you can't, you're, you're denying my culpability because you want to still love me. So you're trying to blame it on something else. So you don't have to blame me. And I think that's just a very human thing. Like people do that. And so the kids, to, for the kids to do that to grace, it feels like every people do that. Adults do that. Like I said, I, I fought that argument for years because they don't want to blame dad. They'd rather blame this person they don't care about. Well, right. But that's all the more reason for their argument to be disregarded. Well, I guess so, unless you have to go see therapists for four years <laughs> and be told over and over and over and over that you're 
Well, clearly the it's kids because okay. <laughs> they ended up watch a film and can't see the screen through your own package. <laughs> I mean, clearly, the kids did need to do that because they uh, because they decided that as retribution for that twisted perspective, they were gonna gaslight and gaslight this woman in com- in combination with hiding her medication. And, uh, (laughs) and at this point, it's like, from that, we're actually getting close to a referendum of either the kids falsely blame her out of, like you said, self-preservation and wanting to, to exonerate their father because he's the one who's still alive or, and based on that, they end up making a bed that they have to sleep in, which is either they die with their dad or everyone dies. It is interesting to me that because by, by the different sort of perspective that you're taking on, if, if mom really is to blame because she's the one who killed herself, if everyone else, then, then we're blaming everyone else on her. It's six months later. She's out of the, yes. Okay. She should, she's responsible for killing herself. But after that, everybody else is still responsible for themselves. At the very least, dad is responsible for working through with his kids. I mean, it's just interesting to me that they make a specific point of it being six months later, which I think is supposed to be some sort of like a reasonable amount of time that has passed before dad is now re is pushing the, the grace is, is, we're going to start including her in things. If it were the next day, it would be a whole movie, right? We, and that could have totally been it, right? Or whatever, that time could have been anything. And six months really does strike me as, okay, how long is it? That's kind of early, but it's basically, okay, we're going to start. And he's not saying like, it's six months, you're going to start calling her mom and she's going to whatever. It's like, okay, we're going to start this now we're going to see how this goes. We're going to sort of take this to the next. She's going to be included in this. I, I still just think dad is, is within the, within the, the logic of the film is really exonerated, or at least he he's omitted from responsibility in ways by, by him simply not being there that really are, are, are problematic, are really problematic. And yeah, I mean, you're right. He does say, well, it's a bad idea and, and I shouldn't, but he doesn't ever act on that. He doesn't, he only goes back to the, the house when, I mean, in some ways that's worse. Cause what we learn is that, oh, well, when he does sense that there's a real urgency, he can skip out on his job and make that decision. Cause now he sees that his twisted kids have hung themselves in their dollhouse <laughs> whatever it was that he decided was the, you know, was the, uh, the trigger that he needed to, as it were, pull to, to get back to the house. Um, but ultimately I don't, you're right. Ultimately the, the film doesn't really come together for me. It doesn't really hang together. I don't see a particular reason. The only reason that we would not know all of this stuff is if the message of the film were, Something like abuse, abuse and tragedy begets abuse and tragedy, right? She was suffered through this cult that led to mental problems. 
and in combination with the tragedy of mom killing herself, which we don't know if what that was about at all. So we don't know. We just don't know. So as far as we know, it's a, it's simply, it's just really a tragedy. And I guess, which is true of suicide, right? Rarely, sometimes people leave notes or whatever, but you don't really know what the, the situation is. And as a result, you know, shit falls apart. Everything falls apart. And okay. We, we, we blame the kids as much as you can blame kids. Cause they did some real twisted, fucked up shit, even for kids. But that seems to me a, a much weaker argument. I would have much preferred something that were to say, I don't know. These kids are evil. They started evil. I would have loved a film where we got some indication that I, I would have loved a film where the kids had gaslit mom and she killed herself because of some, some shit that they did. And now they're doing it to grace. And you know what? It comes back to them instead of it, instead of the suicide, they're the ones who get killed. I would I mean, that would be a dark film, but I, I would have preferred that kind of film or I would have preferred a film where, where there was something more made about, well, this is a, this happened in a cult. You can basically understand a family as a cult. And within the context of this family that also had a, a, a cult like tragedy of whatever happening where, where mom kills herself it's sort of a flip you know in in grace's situation she's the only one who survives in mom's situation she's the only one who who dies and there's a parallel between how that screws up the kids or that screws up the the survivors you know the the kids in each situation there's potentials there that to me would be a more interesting option and i think with this film I mean, they could have gone those two directions. They could have gone a number of other directions that I'm probably not imagining off the top of my head. But but ultimately, I still agree with you that they never really pulled together any sort of cohesive idea or argument or or message. And that extends to include a message that relied on uncertainty or unknowing. And I think that's... I think that's where, where it's at. Yeah. And I, I will just reiterate that given the themes they played around with and their whole setup, I think there really is uh, a need, I will say from my perspective, for more societal messaging around the fact that you can leave a marriage and still be a good parent and still be a good person. And they had opportunity to speak to that in this film and didn't really, but opened all those questions and then just didn't, didn't really lay down any answers on that. And I think even more so than, than all those scenarios you just threw out that would be better movies. I agree. I would like to have seen a film that actually tackled that question for me, because that would have been very useful. And given, like I said, everything they set out on the table there, it was set up to do that. And so it's a real omission. It feels like to not have taken that on. And I will say, it's easy for me to say this because I'm outside of that. I recognize that there is an immense hegemonic dominant value system that reinforces marriages should last and stay together. Me being outside that, I'm like, yeah, of course you should fucking leave a marriage. <laughs> I know, but I, like I wish I'm you saying, left your marriage yeah. eight years ago instead of two or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm just saying, as someone who's least... under the weight of that messaging, you feel it, you know, and even I would give 
the advice I would give to anyone else in the world is totally different than the critiques I will lob at myself. And that is not a, I mean, that's a thing, right? Like just, just as someone who we study these things, we're interested in these things and we exist kind of outside that perspective in terms of how we would evaluate the world or evaluate other people. We, and I will speak for myself, I am not immune to the weight of that messaging and it's, it's still very heavy and it's still very prevalent. And so I think there would have been, there was real opportunity here to do something about that. And they didn't. Sure. I've got at least two friends I could name who I don't think should be married in the first place. I wish they would leave their marriage. <laughs> but yes. So, I mean, I think that's all to the board of the evidence of the fact that people do feel obligated or compelled or, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess they want to be in those marriages. But if we lived in a society where that that sort of uh, arrangement wasn't emphasized so strongly, there's a strong possibility that they wouldn't be. Um, there's a real strong possibility. In fact, I don't think either of them would be. Not my friends, but the people they married, I think, were very influenced by the sense that they needed to be married in order for the relationship to continue even though it didn't really, I mean, there, there was no, there's no ostensible reason to do it. They have no religious investment. They have no real legal investment. If anything, might've been interested because of some sort of like tax break or something, because <laughs> he's very strategic with money and all that kind of thing, but he didn't give a shit. Uh, neither one of them got married at a church or had a, Anyway, I, I, I do hear what you're saying. It, it's hard for me to imagine because, uh, you know, obviously I'm on the outside of all of that. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait. So this is a better way to say this then, certainly. Okay. But exactly what you said, right? The kids at the beginning, the kids represent that hegemonic perspective on marriage and on the nuclear family and on what is correct and right. And mom reinforces that as well, because when dad chooses to leave, and we don't see that like dad's a terrible person or this new person's horrible or the whole setup. I mean, it could be okay. Right. But mom is so traumatized by the breakup of this unit that mom kills herself. The kids are traumatized. Again, it's, it's all, all of that messaging is reinforcing this hegemonic notion that, you know, the nuclear family and staying in marriage, despite any level of, again, not having your needs met or whatever, it's all worth it for the sacrifice for the institution. And that is what's going to make everybody happy. And the kids carry this throughout. They bring mom's doll with them and they, they exonerate mom from what mom does because it's not about mom. It's about the breakup of the marriage and dad did it or Grace did it because it was, again, the dissolution of this institution. And so that messaging is like carried on through the whole beginning of the film, right? This is what do you mean, dad? Of course, Grace caused this. Of course, she caused everything. All of this. This is all awful. And it's awful because, again, that notion of what a family is and what marriage is, is just, that's correct. And I think the exoneration, or maybe not exoneration, but the lack of implication of dad is a sexism in the film. Because he, like you, you have talked about, oh, it's still possible to be leave marriage and still be a good person or whatever. He, he's fine. He's half the situation. He's still, he's fine. He's. We don't ever blame. I don't think we don't ever really blame him. I mean, he could Did be. We not? I didn't. What did he do? He's still taking care of the kids. He's a nice person. He's working. The house is clean. They're taken care of. He thinks about them. I don't know. What did, what does he ever do? Why do, when do we ever blame dad? 
I didn't think he necessarily did anything wrong, but I thought the film blamed him or at least the children blamed him or the, again, the breaking of the sort of hegemonic institution <laughs> blamed him. They, they blame him for leaving them with grace, but they don't blame him for what do they blame him for? Leaving mom, I guess. But do they, do we see that? I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think they even know that because they weren't there. They had gone to the store to get candy or whatever. When, when, uh, he told mom. Oh yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So you're saying maybe there's some sexism inherent in them blaming grace. Well, or, or just not blaming dad. I mean, just dad is never, I don't ever see a point in the film where dad is really seen as equally responsible for whatever happened with the marriage. Grace. You're right. The focus is on grace. The focus is to some extent on mom but dad, and if anything, dad's kind of a hero because he gets to show up as everything's falling apart and and try and intervene when there's like a still a moment to save things. I mean, he doesn't. So he's a failed hero. But, you know, she doesn't. If we were to blame dad, Grace could have said, you never should have left us at the lodge together. Or I told you it was too soon. Or you should have divorced her before we ever started fooling around or I don't know, whatever, a million different things that would have put some sort of responsibility on. She could have said that to the kids too, as they were, when she talks to Aiden, it's like, Hey, I think we need to talk about some things. I don't understand what's going on. She could have thrown dad under the bus or I just, there weren't, you know, that's like evidence by absence, but, but that's kind of all we have here because there isn't ever a point where, I don't feel like there's ever a point in the film where dad really does the wrong thing other than leave them alone in the lodge, which even that is like you said, it's been justified within the film because, because grace says it's okay. And it's been six months and they need to try and get together, need to try. They're going to try and resolve. And he's there for the first day. So he's kind of set things up to be okay. And he's going to come back uh, and he's working, presumably, you know, that's what men are supposed to do so he can pay for his lodge and the house and whatever else. And like, I don't, I don't see dad ever faulted really for anything, which I do think that that there is some sexism there. I think we should touch on religion and it might be brief because I don't know that there was, I mean, it was all about religion, but I don't think it said anything. Or maybe I'll just raise that as a question. Do you think it said anything about religion? Again, if it said anything, it's that religion is ineffective or non-consequential. It was sort of used as cheap misdirect of maybe mom is haunting the the house through the picture of the angel or whatever it was and the cross on the wall that was hers. But what we found out, right, was that really didn't have anything to do with actual religion. It was Grace's either experience with the cult and or experience with knowing that these were things that mom liked that were the real issue with those things. It really didn't have anything to do with religion. Uh, what else do we have? We have the religion of she, she does think she's in limbo and she's dead. And that's there's religious stories there. I don't know if it's uh, going to be another mother thing where the saving the doll was a baptism <laughs> fucking, you, you know, <laughs> and then the kneeling on the 
right burning is some other thing and uh wandering out into the wilderness and seeing the hallucinating the house or whatever the other house was was some i don't know a story from the bible i don't know i hope not i don't really care if it was they she sings the prayer song whatever at the dinner table I tried to listen to that. I couldn't find subtitles to this, so I couldn't look up the lyrics. Do you, I don't, I guess she was still, uh, no. My short answer is no. I don't think it was any. I think I agree with you. I mean, the daughter is super Catholic. There's all this conversation about mom not being able to go to heaven and yeah, singing the hymn or whatever it was as the closing scene. And there are crosses everywhere. And Grace was like traumatized by the church as a child and then didn't want the cross there or no, I think dad thought that Grace didn't want the cross there. And then Grace said, no, it's okay. Or something, you know, like it was just, it was there throughout the entire film, but I never felt any sort of verdict on it really any more so than anything else in the film. I think that's why this is, it's taking us so long to talk about it because there were so many unresolved pieces, which I don't really like. And I guess the more, you know, sometimes we talk about something and the more we talk about it, the more I like it because it all starts to fall into place. And here I'll say it's not really falling into place. It's just sitting there. Yes. (sighs) I'm trying to see if I can't find whatever that song or hymn or whatever it is, is. I think it was more kind of misdirect. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm fine with that. Let's grade it. Okay. I agree. (laughs) I wonder how you're going to do that, given your personal connection. I um, I didn't find it particularly damaging. I also didn't find it particularly beneficial. It was frustrating to me because it didn't really come together. Ooh, I will say that. Oh, that I brought. I was going to bring that up when I brought up the. Uh, what was there was something I brought up that was like a one-off that seemed kind of be a throwaway. Or like, they, I wish they would have done more of. What did I say? Do you have any idea? Do you remember? Dang it. Anyway, another thing like that was Aiden watching her get out of the shower. They, they didn't end up doing anything with that. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't really seem to need to be there. I don't, that put us in the position of Aiden because we also watched her do this. So I guess at best it did that, but then we've got her naked for no real apparent reason. I don't see why, again, I don't want to sound like a prude, but I don't see why we couldn't have, that whole scene could have happened without, with just her behind the like blurry shower curtain and putting on a towel. I don't understand why we need to see, actually see her naked, you know, not opposed to that, but it's certainly, I don't think was <laughs> justified by the story. And I, I don't know. I can, I don't. I, I I'm outside of a lot of this because I'm not a parent. I haven't been married. Yada yada yada. I'm sort of in the like. It's it was all just fine. It's like a C. It's got some things that are kind of interesting. It's got a lot that just didn't come together. I don't have strong feelings. This is one where I'm just like, I don't know. We've already probably I've already spent probably too long grading this, and it doesn't matter anyway. So here's a C, and just. Do better next time. I think I'm going to go D. 
because it had the potential to contribute to something and it, it stirred up emotions, at least in me that were really relevant and really something that I know a lot of people sit under. So then to have no commentary on that or no clear mm-hmm. commentary was frustrating. And that was a, a huge missed opportunity. And then, yeah, it, but it, it didn't do anything especially damaging other than that, which is, a bit, <laughs> which is a bit damaging, but you know, it mostly just sat there. I enjoyed watching it though, but in part because I was so invested in the message and then I didn't get a payoff on that. It reminded me so much of it comes at night in a lot of ways. I mean, not only because the actor was the same in it and, and even her seeing her in the shower, it was a very same presentation of her where like the child is attracted to her. Something about that just felt very, it comes at night. Even the hallway they first started with in the lodge reminded me of it comes at night with the door at the end of it. And yeah, the ambiguity though used to really good effect and it comes at night was here, even though it wasn't used well. Some of the atmosphere felt very similar, you know, just a few people stuck in a house trying to navigate things. And I don't know. So, I mean, like that part, I sort of enjoyed it and sort of liked it, but it didn't, it didn't say anything or do anything. And it dredged up some feelings that I think it could have dealt with and then didn't. So D. Fair, fair. And I just want to acknowledge that I think that that matters too. One of our categories or criteria for when we grade films is the emotional experience. And I think this is a case where my background means that it it didn't dig up things. And so I wasn't, it didn't put me through anything without a payoff, but I recognize, I just want to acknowledge that for you, it did dig up issues without a payoff. And that is, that's not, that's not good. We generally argue that if you're going to, if you're going to recall trauma or just difficulty and emotional difficulty for viewers, you should do so with a purpose, with some sort of justification for doing that and to not dig that all up or subject viewers to that sort of experience without, without there being some sort of payoff is a, is a net negative. I think that's worth, I think that's, you're totally justified. And yeah. And this is certainly when we talk about like prevalence of the issues depicted, this is, I, I know that the weight I sit under from society around that is not, I'm not alone in feeling that weight. That's a very prevalent message that a lot of people I think struggle with. So bringing all of that up and then not dealing with it is probably hurtful to a, a reasonable chunk of people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that I'm the only one who had that type of experience in watching the film. Right. Uh, maybe, a, I, maybe a little bit of, I don't know if I really think this or not, but I want to say it, which is, I think there is something to be said for the fact that the film includes a, a suicide and all of the fallout for the suicide. And that to me actually stri- seems in my experience, somewhat accurate of there's nothing to be done about that. You don't know who to blame. You don't even know if anybody really should be blamed. You can blame the person, but what do you blame the person for? You blame the person for being in such a desperate situation that that that's where they felt like that was their only recourse. The impacts of that have profoundly difficult and tragic impacts on everyone in their life. And there really is no sense to be made out of it. And I don't think that the film really carried that through particularly well, but at some sort of level, it, it communicated that indirectly. 
I like what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I don't know how much that was intentional or that was what they were trying to accomplish because it was subtle, like you said, but, but still, I do like that. And, And that's why I don't want to really give them too much credit for that. But in contrast to what you're saying with regard to marriage and divorce and, and the pressures that we put on particularly women and everyone to keep that institution and who's to blame in this and that in contrast to that with the suicide where I'm sorry, let me say that again with regard to, to everything you're saying about marriage and, and all of that, where they did do some net negative and there was some damage with the suicide. I think they either ended up neutral or maybe indirectly or implicitly did a little bit of, good work. I don't know if that offsets it. I'm not trying to change your grade. I think your grade is totally, totally reasonable. Whatever. So we're saying it's just a thought. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick where I am, but I do like what you're saying. And, and sure. really I did. I enjoyed the film in a lot of ways. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally fair. Yeah. We, uh, we always appreciate you listening and horror films are our collective bedrooms. This post-show discussion includes spoilers for Martyrs. Martyrs is still our gold standard for horror films of the modern era. If you haven't seen it, if it hasn't been spoiled for you, you should skip ahead seven minutes and you will miss our discussion and you should go watch Martyrs. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's hard because you have to demonize children. I think it's hard to have children be the villain, especially children that have been traumatized. Like that almost makes them unable to hold that role because they can't be held culpable so much. But well, that to me is interesting because it is hard and it's it's unusual. But so yeah, if they had flipped it such that the the emotional tenor, like the film, laid down a referendum at the end and said no, their reaction was problematic and. Grace and dad were okay. And mom was not held up as a martyr throughout the entire film as though she didn't hold any responsibility for the direction her life went because the way it's laid out, it's like, it's Grace's fault because it's easier to blame Grace, right? The world would rather blame Grace. The kids would rather blame Grace. Wait, than whoa, mom and dad. whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you were saying that the film blames Grace for mom killing herself at the beginning. Yes. I mean, the children do. And I think we're in the children's shoes. They know it's hard because you have to demonize children. I think it's hard to have children be the villain, especially children that have been traumatized. Like that almost just started over. I did. Because the point or the crucial bit there is, and what I think we need to at least acknowledge is the fact that we do have a wonderful example of a film demonizing children, which is Martyrs. Maybe not demonizing, but certainly not vindicating. And not just uh, children, but children who have suffered and experienced massive trauma. And are you referring to Anna? Was that her name? I don't remember which one Anna was now in Martyrs, but the, the, the one uh, who kills herself? Yes. And I mean, we have to assume that the other girl in Martyrs has also had some kind of trauma. She's in the same home. If nothing else, she's been abandoned. And she has lived most of her life with a close friend who's deeply mentally ill. (laughs) It just struck me in particular as we just at least need to acknowledge that martyrs yet again 
exceeds expectations or exceeds boundaries where other films are incapable of of going or you know goes places that other films are incapable of going because again it's not necessarily a demonization but at least for a time in martyrs without going total spoiler she is absolutely uh uh demonized and as far as i remember i'm like i mean they're they're not 12 but they're not a whole lot older than that and then that flips as well and the kids of the family are also then demonized because hey (laughs) they're complicit Martyrs keeps flipping around. I'm, I'm trying to remember if they do lay down a referendum or if they just keep flipping our perspective because I was wrong when I said Anna. Anna's the main character who kind of carries on throughout the film. Okay. So when you're talking about someone being demonized, it's not Anna. It's the other, the other character that's Anna's friend. And she's demonized in the sense that Anna's afraid of her. I think we are put in Anna's shoes eventually or maybe to start the film. Now I don't remember, but we think she's crazy. And yes, she's been traumatized, but I think what you're saying is like, well, she's been traumatized, but that doesn't absolve her of the fact that she's still the villain for a while in the film, as in we want Anna to get the heck away from her. Well, and we just are like, well, holy shnikes, this girl is <laughs> is totally off the rails. Lucy. Lucy. Yes. The film gets deeper because then it does vindicate her position later on. And so there's like if you take it in a a larger perspective, I feel like it gets more complicated than what you're throwing out, but I guess you're right. You certainly are are put in the shoes of fearing someone who's been abused. And the fact that they've been abused does not get them off the hook for still being a villain. And yet, and and even if, even if that perspective or that framework is deconstructed and reconstructed differently later in art, in martyrs to where the, her villainy or goodness is is reconfigured we still go through a reasonable portion of the film like wow this 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 young woman who has been traumatized is still totally a villain and the lodge arguably has or sort of has a like a much diluted version of that as well but in our argument at this point, we're saying categorically, and I'm with you on this. I just played you the key part because that we're on, you know, we're doing this on the fly. But we are saying, oh, well, you just can't do that. You can't demonize kids. You can't demonize traumatized kids. And that just strikes me as so wrong. I mean, now that I think about it too, Michael Byers is <laughs> is the demon and was a traumatized or maybe was it a child? He was in Zombies Halloween. He's a traumatized child. So, I mean, yes, has grown to adulthood, but it just, for whatever reason, in the moment with Lodge, we were we gave the Lodge a pass of, oh, yeah, that's okay, because it's really difficult to demonize kids or blame them, especially if they've, they're otherwise suffered their own plight. And, and, and it just, again, it's like, that's not, that's just not accurate. That's all I want to do was like a correction or an acknowledgement. I mean, my, my first thought was martyrs, but now I'm thinking about it. I, I bet we could come up with others if we, that's all. Maybe I'll just say it's harder to do. Sure. It's not that you can't do it, but right. Cause like Mike Myers, sure. But then you look at Rob Zombie's remake and that's why his remake focused so much on kind of the emotional development of Mike Myers, because we as an audience want to have empathy with children in that position. And so it, it depends maybe how far the film 
digs into emotional connection as part of the film. Like in the lodge, they have lots of emotional conversations and the film is centered in a lot of ways around emotion. Whereas like the early Halloween films with Mike Myers, it's not, that's like not what it's about. And they're not really digging into that. So I think they can get away with it more easily because they don't have to like weave it into the emotional fabric of the film. And something like the lodge would have to martyrs almost used it in a way, like the ability to, weave that into the emotional fabric of the film was really helpful because what they did was they sort of flipped your emotional allegiance over and over throughout the film. And so that having something that was ambiguous like that, that could pull you in either direction was probably really helpful for them. I don't know if that helps out with what we're saying here, but, but it's just, it's, it's difficult. And in the lodge, at least my recollection is that they weren't willing to really go there. Right. Right. That's all. That's what I thought would be the tight 10. I think that was 10 of actual content, actually, after we sorted out the BS. Cool. cool. Okay. Now it makes me want to go back and listen to the Lodge episode, because I'd mostly forgotten about that film, actually. It's kind of fun to have to do this on the fly. It's like doing a review in a class or something. You know, you just get these questions lobbed <laughs> at you, and it's like, okay, wait. <laughs> I got it. It's in there somewhere. You did great. <laughs> I thought you did great. Yeah, it was did fun. You, did you get your hair done? It's because I have to record live today. For, I have class live, so... Well, Good for you. I'm not in my pajamas as I usually <laughs> am when you see me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm, uh, speaking of which, I'm going to run prep. Okay. okay. All right. Sounds good. Bye. I felt like I was on the other side of, of if you were too connected, I was not connected enough, which I was very frustrated with because I was like, this is, this is really a, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good film. Like I, I should be appreciating this or engage with this more than I am. And uh, I just, yeah, the, the like background stresses of the election is uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's intense. It's uh, it's intense. It's going to be, and it's going to be worse through till we get some, something, whatever we realize either what, whatever the fight is going to have to be, with the Republicans or by some miracle, we actually get a significant enough win that it really can't be. But even if that happens, the the question then becomes, well, we've still got a lame duck session till January and he's going to be completely unhinged and who he is already. I mean, what is that going to look like? So but hopefully they'll at least be a, a step towards some sort of certainty. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't even, I don't know how to focus on anything right now. So I'm just been like trying to get through time. I'm just trying to get time to pass. So that's all fine. Laura, whatever you want to do for, for you said next week is the week that you couldn't, or that you might not. Yeah. This coming it. weekend. So let's just, yeah. let's like during the week this week, maybe touch base and just kind of like after Thursday or something, let's sure. just chat and see how it's going. And maybe we can do it. Like I said, one night after he's in bed, but maybe I'd like to just touch base on that then mm-hmm. see how that, yeah. how that is. Cause I've got to have enough energy to push for that. Sure. Yeah. And I want to do it again. And I, th- there was something like I was, I wasn't able to be fully in this, when because of all of that so yeah i'd like to do it again yeah i mean it was this was a little bit frustrating for me because we had such a series of we had such a string of of really good films for discussion good or bad they were i think mostly good but 
regardless, they served well for discussion. And this, I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't the fodder that we like to have. Yeah. And that, yeah. that what is a little bit frustrating, especially coming off such a, such a series of wins, if you will. It's yeah, like, I agree. But the, I mean, whatever. I still, I still enjoy this. I still look forward to this. Absolutely. And, uh, this is all still great. I just, uh, um, yeah, I was like, Oh, we've had such good movies. <laughs> uh, and, and it's worked out so well. And, for me, it's kind of doubly because it's like, it's not just we've had such good movies. It's I've been, I've been editing back through those other ones. Yeah. So I get double good discussion, good, good new episodes, and then good previous episodes yeah. when I'm editing. And that's fine. Maybe we do The Conjuring next time if you think it's good. I, I would like to do that. I'd be very curious to see if you find that frightening. And that would be a much more mainstream, mm-hmm. modern film. That'd be kind of fun. And if if we are able to do a podcast sometime this week, it would be helpful to have it be something. Or sometime in the next two week that stretch, it'd be helpful to have it be something a little bit easier to watch. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember it being a scary movie. I remember it being scary. I mean, it's James Wan, you know, and I mm-hmm. I, I like him. Did you find the original Saw scary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's some yeah. sort of precedent for. Well, that'd be cool. I would like that. And Noah's very excited about doing a podcast with us one day. Yeah, I've been be thinking about that. Uh, apparently, they made a Witches from Roald Dahl. Uh, that is I, one of my other podcasts I was listening to. Somebody suggested it as like, suitable for kids and then the other two hosts were like maybe it's not really (laughs) even though it's i think it's pg-13 i don't know if it's pg-13 or not but um but then i was trying to think of uh like the goosebumps i don't know what's appropriate for a six-year-old so yeah and he's really kind of on the scared side of six-year-old i think so I'll, I'll have to think on it and I'll have to see if I can come up with something that would even work or we might have to wait a year or who knows, but yeah. he was very excited about the possibility of being on the podcast. I also think what we would do is we should talk beforehand, get all our like interesting stuff about what people are saying to children and whatever out, and then come up with a handful of questions we might want to ask him, sit him down for his attention span, which is about 12 minutes, and just ask him some questions, oh, yeah. and let him talk, and then you'll get something that's editable in and out of what he said, yeah, and kind of like let the rest of it go, because there's no way he could sit through us talking. <laughs> like, right. he, won't, he won't pay attention. He'll wander off. He'll like start attacking the dog or something like he'll just, it won't, that won't work. But if we talk right. to him the entire time and we know what we want to ask him about and where we want his like sound clips, then we can, we can try for that. Okay. 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 That's cool. Cool. I called this IT people to see why I look like a ghost on my webcam. <laughs> it couldn't help. Yeah. That's interesting. We're definitely low, low resolution. I know, I know. And they said it was, it's the same resolution as my last. I had a ThinkPad before and it looks way worse than it used to. And so, but this is like newer, so it shouldn't be, I mean, you know, it shouldn't be like credit technology. So I don't really know what the deal is, but. um, Have you tried your camera from anywhere other than your house? Is it your bandwidth? Your internet? Oh, I didn't think about that. No, I don't go anywhere anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I don't go anywhere. Anywhere other than my house. That's a really good. Do you do you do you pay for fast internet or do you have just like basic? I don't know the answer to that. Noah's six, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it'll it'll be out there, you know. I don't know. I just I, those are conversations I'd rather have with him. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, and I occasionally might need the break to just tell you a story, and then okay. I just I mean I. Just, I'm not saying you should. You should obviously talk about what you want, but like, best case scenario would be eight years from now. Right, I understand that. Noah would have to decide <laughs> to watch this film and then listen to this specific episode of this podcast. I understand that. Okay, but I, I, have, I have these like, it's fine. Just yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I get yes. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, you. Uh, and then mom doesn't fly to heaven because she's heavier than the balloon <laughs> i don't know why that wasn't funny but i just gotta say we're, we're skipping through the film here for those of you our i mean for everyone who's listening we don't do a video version of this we're we're <laughs> we're skipping through the film